Welcome to College Fashionista's Office Hours. It's Amy Levin here. This week, I chatted with Amanda Decadene, founder of Girl Gaze. We talk about her growing brand and community of Gen Z creatives and what she wished she knew when she was a 20-year-old. Enjoy our conversation. Hey, Amanda, it's Amy. How's it going? Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well. So happy to have you here on College Fashionista's Office Hours. I'd love to start off and have you tell us why you started Girl Gaze and why your mission is so important to you. So I started Girl Gaze, well, for a couple of reasons. One, I have had a lifelong career of creating media that is specifically for women and girls. And I am extremely dedicated to creating um, opportunities for women and girls to be heard and seen. I feel that there is a monumental imbalance in the world in practically any business you can think of. There is a lack of representation of the female point of view. Yeah, so when I when I came up with the idea for Girl Gaze, it was really because I wanted to do something for the creative girl. I realized through my interview series, The Conversation, that my audience was getting younger and younger. This was around, this was pre-election time. So it was when um, Hillary and Bernie were still, you know, Democratic nominees. And I had interviewed Hillary Clinton for my show. And suddenly my audience had gotten younger and younger. And I thought, that's so interesting. But why? And I realized that so many more young women were engaged with issues that were going on in the world and caring about, you know, what was happening in the in the country. It really got me thinking about who's making media for young women. And there's very few people. Yeah. And very few people who are making media that isn't focused on lip plumper and butt jeans. Right. You know, like, yeah, most of the media I was seeing created was aimed at just the outsides. And I realized that there was a huge gap that somebody needed to start talking to the creative girl and saying, okay, I want to know what you think. What's your point of view about your world? What's your opinion? How do you see things? And so... That desire combined with the monumental lack of representation of females in photography, then Girl Gaze was born. I feel like I can relate to the reasoning of starting your business because College Fashionista started so organically like that as well. And I find through, you know, the years of being in business and talking to so many entrepreneurs that the brands that really stick are brands like that, that you just have this aha moment and you're like, why does this not exist? Like, this needs to exist. Yeah. And that's so great that that's kind of what was the founding principles of Girl Gaze. And it's definitely taken off. It's actually the founding principle of anything I do. It was the same thing with the conversation. It was after I had my kids and I had really bad postpartum and I was searching online for, you know, real honest stories about how how do you survive postpartum? And I couldn't find anything. And I was thinking, Oh my God, if I'm suffering this like this with postpartum depression, there's 
so many other women in the world who are also suffering. And why is no one talking about this stuff? And so I made the conversation. Yeah. Because I, ca- I realized that no one was telling these real, authentic, genuine stories that were solution-based. And I literally started it in my living room with my own cameras, editing it. it myself. I love you it. Know? And I, I feel like if your company isn't based in a need, if you're not meeting a need, I don't, I don't think there is long-term sustainability. Yeah, no, I mean... It's absolutely true. And there's so many companies out there. And right, you can't just be another business. Let's talk about your community on Girl Gaze, because I feel like there are a lot of similarities with college fashionista. But I feel like what really intrigues me about your community is that they are just such creatives. You know, they're photographers and they're really unconventional individuals, which is fantastic. What has been kind of one of the most interesting things you've learned about this audience since starting Girl Gaze? Well, I love Gen. I love what is considered Gen Z. Gen Z are, you know, actually some of my favorite. If I was to describe the, the the qualities of people that I tend to like and get on with <laughs> and connect with, they are. I hate generalizing, but I'm going to generalize in this case and say those people tend to be authentic, be transparent, uh, have opinions. They tend to ask questions and to demand transparency. They tend to want to um, make the world a better place. Those are the kinds of people that if I look at my closest friends, they most of them have many of those qualities. If I look at the people I get on with in the world, they tend to have many of those qualities. And if I was to describe to you my experience of like Gen Z as a demographic, it, they would have those qualities. And so I love being able to work with young women and some of them are girls still because I learn so much too. I love that I get questioned and I love the amount of creativity as well because that generation has grown up online and is just exposed to so much more for better or for worse. So they tend to have at least my community within Girl Gaze you know, such developed points of view that, you know, I don't think a 20-year-old, you know, in the 1980s would have had. Yeah, no. I love the way that you listed those things out. I I, I couldn't agree more. And it's so inspiring to work with with this age set. And they, I, I love that they ask questions and that they challenge you because it pushes you as an individual as well and as a leader for them. So I think that that's such a good quality that they have instead of just, you know, not following the rules, but just like doing what they're told without uh, questioning why it's happening. So I, I completely exactly. agree with that point. How do you find and choose the community members who are part of Girl Gaze? Well, we are completely user-generated. So people submit content. We curate content that is submitted to us. So that's the first thing. We sometimes will see someone's work and think, oh, my God, that's so amazing. We have to feature them. But a lot of the time, people are just submitting their work to us using hashtag GirlGaze, um, specifically on Instagram. But we also have a network um, that people can sign up for. So if you feel like you identify with being a girl gaze girl, you can completely be a part of our community 
by just signing up. You can go to our website, togogaze.tv, and you can sign up for our network. That means as part of the network, it means that you have access to all of our events in advance of anybody else before they go public. You have access to all of our kind of special opportunities to be a part of our exhibitions, to um, submit your work for paid job opportunities. Um, so it's really worth being a part of our network because you have access to all these different opportunities um, that as a creative girl, you might not have access to otherwise. Yeah. What makes you guys choose someone to highlight on your social channels or in oh, yeah, your that's book? A really good question. Yeah, like what stands out to you? I mean, ultimately, it's about representation, right? So for a long time, I was just curating the feed. And then I realized that actually that was just representing one point of view because I like what I like, right? But I'm also curating from what's submitted to us. So we have multiple people who send in images of the Girl Gaze team. We have interns. We have me. We have Lauren, who kind of runs the community. We have Tori. We have Caitlin. We have Teresa. We have all, all the Girl Gaze team during the week look at hashtag Girl Gaze and then send the images to one place right. so that we curate from everyone's point of view so that the feed is inclusive, it's diverse, it represents um, not only different photographic styles, but different subject matter, different um, points of view globally. So it's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like, oh, I like that picture, <laughs> you know? Right. It's, there's a lot that goes into it. We also don't show certain Im images. So if something is too sexualized or too sexually explicit, first of all, you can't put it on Instagram we would have to put that in one of our exhibitions. But you kind of know when you're looking at images constantly like we are and you're looking at submissions constantly, you kind of notice a really great picture because you're looking at hundreds of images. And then you start looking at that person's work and you go back and you go, oh, my God, this isn't just a one-off. They didn't just like take one good picture. They've got hundreds, if not thousands, of great pictures. And so you kind of see the same people submitting their work, and you get to know, oh, my God, this person's incredible. Like, there's a girl whose work I've been following for about two years, and she does, like, really powerful documentary work. And finally, I just DM'd her the other day, and I said, I've been following your work for two years. It is so strong. It is so powerful. You're telling stories that need to be heard that no one else is telling. Can we do a feature on you? So it's like I might be tracking somebody for a while. Yeah, that's cool. And we all might. Like, we all have our eyes on different people. And then what could happen is we could have a brand partnership opportunity. Like, we just did something for Shinola. We did something else for Gap. And so we're like, great, we have this opportunity for Gap. What's the clothing? What's the thing? We come up with the idea, and then we go, oh, my God, you know who would be great for that? This girl, so-and-so. Her pictures are perfect. And suddenly, that girl has an opportunity, a paid opportunity to do a Gap campaign. Or a Shinola campaign. Or, you know what I mean? No, like, it's incredible. Because you know their work. You know, one girl, Louise Adore, she lives in Brazil. Um, she shot all the Time magazine cover stories of extraordinary women on her iPhone. She's a girl gaze photographer. 
She's now off with the UN photographing refugees. You know, this was an opportunity that we work with the UN and this was an opportunity. And suddenly we were like, oh my God, Louise is perfect for this. We know our community's work, even though there's thousands and thousands of girls. Yeah, you are obviously very tapped into to your community members and it's so incredible that you give them these opportunities because, you know, a lot of them are located in random locations and they wouldn't be able to connect the dots otherwise. And I I think it's so awesome. You must feel so great about what you're doing. Thank you. What do you think is missing from traditional art school education? Because a lot of your students are creatives and um, I'm assuming that you know, they, they want to go down either a high school art school route or a college art school route. What do you think is missing that um, they can't get in the classroom, that they can get through something like girl gaze or from learning on their own? Well, for a start, female teachers and for a start, classes that are focused on the female gaze, uh, I can tell you that I've spoken at um, many different art schools and I cannot tell you how many times I've been told by students that I'm one of like three female photographers who's come to speak to them over, you know, in the year. And wow. I'll say like, oh, you know, how many men? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like 20. Wow. And so whenever I get asked to go speak at a school, I always go. In fact, I got recently I got asked by the dean of a, a, a big school you know, art school to go speak. And he said to me, yeah, my students have been asking for you to come and speak for years. And I sent him back saying, well, why are you only emailing me now? Yeah. What was his response? I mean, he he didn't respond. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, yeah, you know, this is, this is what needs to change. It doesn't have to be me. They get someone in that can talk about a different point of view. And it's not just about gender either. It's like, I'm a straight white woman. Get some women of color. Get, get, get representation. Queer women. You must have different points of view. So just so you're like, yeah, we've got like one woman or three women have spoken this year. You know, are they all white? Are they all straight? Like, it's just about exposing people to different points of view. It's not about one's better than the other. It's about there's a monumental imbalance, and therefore you're not teaching a balanced representation. I mean, I've taught a couple of classes, and it's interesting because there's a lot of men in the classes. And I think the first time I taught the one class at Pasadena Arts, I remember thinking, I don't think I'm the best person for this because there's a lot of guys, and my work is so about the female perspective, you know. And then there was very few women. And it was really interesting, actually, because I was so curious why there were so few women. You know, why is there a few girls coming to art school? And... And then what we found out from research and is that when you leave school, trying to get hired as an assistant, as a female, is so much harder because the guy photographer looks at you and he's like, she can't carry my lights. Yeah, interesting. Or, you know, there's so much conscious bias or unconscious bias that the entry-level jobs, are it's so much harder for a female. And then... Look at how many women are successful in fashion photography. Right. I mean, Inez, Inez and Venud are part of the founding committee at Girl Gaze. They're in a phenomenal husband and wife photography team. 
as far as fashion photographer goes and being at the top of their field, I mean, they're kind of it. You know, above them is like Annie Leibovitz, and she's not a fashion photographer. She's a portrait photographer, and she's in her mid-60s. Yeah, differently. You know, there are so there are so few, and it shouldn't be that way. It's slowly changing, but incrementally. Well, hopefully with all of the work you're doing with Girl Gaze and all of the encouragement and confidence you're instilling in your community, we'll see a movement and a change happen. I hope so. I think so. Listen, we've, we've provided over 60 paid job opportunities for female-identifying photographers. Actually, it's much more because we just did a partnership with Google for 30 girls from the Girl Gaze community were hired to partner with Google and have their images created and um, used on phone cases, a new series of phone cases. Uh, That's a great opportunity. It was a great paid job. It was girls who have, you know, not had that opportunity before. You know, that's just something, one thing we did. But I think it's it's over 60 now. It's probably, I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot. It's really impressive. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's such a joy to be able to do that, to facilitate that. Yeah. I guess the great thing as well about being a small company is we're able to um, come up with an idea and get into action to create it really fast. Yeah. Um, and we're also so embedded into our culture that we can see we are able to forecast trends in a very genuine way. So our digital um, magazine launches on Wednesday. I can't wait to see it. it. I think you'll enjoy it. But, you know, it's fascinating because last week, Condé Nast, uh, you know, 800 people will let go. Yeah. Teen Vogue Print Magazine folded. W Magazine folded. Glamour, GQ went to biannual. Everyone's going online. But we knew that, so we started building our, this experience online with a digital magazine, you know, eight months ago. Yeah. We're in a similar situation to you guys where we also are lean, so it allows you to just react and make quick decisions and we listen to our community and we kind of let them lead our brand. And it sounds like you do the same thing. And, you know, the youth is the future, right? So you, you have to, you have to notice what they're doing and listen to them and, and, and move your business in that direction or you'll become irrelevant. So you guys are obviously on it. I know we're close for time, but what advice would you give your 20 year old self if you could go back in time? When I was 20, um, I had a one-year-old daughter. I had been hosting a live late-night talk show for six years at that point, and I had just gotten married, So, and I had moved from London to Los Angeles. So I feel like when I was 20, I was ready for a rest. <laughs> yeah, you were like living, <laughs> you weren't living a normal 20-year-old life. No, and and I think I would probably tell myself it's okay to take a break. Creativity and talent does not have an expiration date on it, and it's okay to take a pause and regenerate and focus on yourself or something else that's important to you that isn't just your career. 
And I wish that I had have truly known that and not felt like if I had stopped working, I did stop for about a year, but I, to be, to really take care of my baby, but I wish I'd given myself more time, you know, and hadn't been so anxious that taking a proper big break, which I really needed, would have been the best thing for me. Yeah, that's really excellent advice. And I think with or without a kid or being married at that age, it's something that is important for us all to be mindful of because we're this is a long life we all hopefully have. And if you burn right, out, long tail. yeah, right. You don't want to burn out. So I, I really like that. That was well said. Okay, good. Well, thank you so thank much. You, thank you for your time. Oh my God, of course. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Thanks, Amanda, for joining this week's episode of College Fashionista Office Hours. Thanks to you for tuning in and listening. Be sure to continue to follow along. We have a great list of guests as we enter 2018. Bye.